The Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. The Viewpoint. Weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. Songhe Somapete on The Viewpoint. SAFM.
2011. That's the time. The date is the 29th of June 2019. This is The Viewpoint with myself, Songa Zomabete, and you have been listening to the beautiful melodies of Tandisomazwai, and the title of the song is West Wind. Moya, we're going to take a quick ad break before we get on with it. Trade unions, do they have too much power? We're in conversation with Mr. Zulinzi Mavavi of SAFTU, South African Federation of Trade Unions. 20 minutes to the top of the hour. Oh man, oh man, oh man, 25 billion irregular, wasteful and fruitless expenditure. We're in conversation with Mr. Mielani Holeni of Ndiso Consulting, having a discussion about what the Auditor General has just told us and the status and health of municipalities. Think Eastern Cape, Guazulu Natal, Gauteng, Northern Cape, Mbumalanga. Terrible news. And of course, at the top of the new hour, who better to talk to us about the 64th anniversary of the conclusion and adoption of the Freedom Charter in Cliptown, 26th of June, 1955. Then, one young Professor Ben Turok. Now, he contributed to the Freedom Charter. Please stay tuned. Plenty to get through. A very exciting lineup for tonight. The first female to win the Upround Comrades Marathon in less than six hours, record-breaking Gerda Stein, will be on Sport 10 this Wednesday. What a dream came true for me. I had strength that I don't know where it came from. As they get ready for EFC 80, the Extreme Fighting Championship fighters will be excused from the hexagon this Wednesday to join us in studio. Melanie Gogius, finalist of the Fighter 2 reality show, gears up for her fight against Manon Fioro for the ultimate prize and guaranteed shot at EFC 80. While Gareth, Soldier Boy McClellan, will go head-to-head with Brendan Lassar at EFC 80 for the Interim EFC Middleweight Championship. Do not miss out on Sport at 10 this Wednesday at 10 p.m. Live on SABC 1. Brought to you by SABC Sport for the love of the game. Join the party on top billing this Saturday evening as TV talk show host Sichaba Kreba shares her love for food, travel and vlogging. Cheetah's flanker Aidan Davis wins Actuary in the Making, Sune Senegal. And Basi celebrates the wisdom of our elders as former President Thabo Mbeki turns 77. That's top billing, Saturday at 6, repeat midday Sunday on SABC3. SAFM, leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. On SAFM. I said before, do away with black economic empowerment. Chairperson, you will have to ensure that if you want the economy to grow, that you curb the powers of the unions. You know, and everybody in South Africa know, when it comes to the SOEs in South Africa, you have to retrench people. But the unions come to you and the ANC and says, you will not do that. And that is part of the problem. You will have to curb their powers. You will have to revise labor laws in South Africa. Mr. Vavi, that can't be music to your ears. Good evening. Good uh, evening, my dear comrade, friend. Whatever. Thank you. <laughs> that cannot yeah. be music to your ears. I mean, of course, just for the listeners at home, we are not talking about BEE or related things in as it pertains to that first comment you had in this clip. But the powers of the trade unions. Peter Grunewald says 
they need to be curbed or clipped because they are stifling, in that context anyway, the functioning of the state-owned entities. I think you would disagree with that. Oh, of course. We will disagree completely with that uh, very ideological statement, but that is so far removed from any practical realities that are facing South Africa today. Mr. Hunevar and all of the people who are feeding him with that propaganda are being very deliberate in repeating the lie so frequently with the hope that it will eventually settle as the truth in the minds of many people in the country. And uh, they are deliberately being vague to point out what is it that is in any aspect of the labor laws that really serves as a deterrent that stops employers from employing workers and that stops workers from disciplining any worker that is not performing in line with agreed to standards that are fair, that are transparent, and that the company applies consistently to all the workers in the in the workplace and in the economy. They won't tell you if you were to go back to Mr. Funabal to say point out yeah in the Labor Relations Act, basic conditions of, of Employment Act or any other aspect of the labor law, occupational health and safety, employment equity. Tell us which one, which clause uh, will stop employers from employing more workers when there is a need for them to grow their companies. They always make a generalized statement to say there is inflexibility, there is rigidity, and that these laws are stopping employers, uh, all of them. Now, the reason why they will not uh, point to us exactly which laws are stopping them from or they are, uh, the people who are funding them for them to say this nonsense is that they know that they will be too embarrassed uh, to point out exactly which aspects of the labor laws must be, must be done away with. We're asking a question in our statement. Do they want the maternity provisions in the basic conditions of Employment Act to be done away with? Is that what is stopping employers from employing more people? Do they want the last hour provision of 30 minutes to 45 minutes to be done away with? Do they want the overtime for people who are being made to work for more than what they've signed in their contract? to be done away with? Do they want uh, one and a half time for working on a Saturday or double time for working on a Sunday to be done away with? Do they want workers to have no rights to collectively bargain and or to negotiate with the employers? And won't that be contrary to the constitution of the country that uh, that promises everybody in the Bill of Rights a fair labor standard, a right to associate, and a right to collectively bargain and to strike when there is no agreement over issues of interest. So they will never uh, unpack 
this so-called rigidity and inflexibility. Sure, sure. They Mr. leave it in generalization so that they mm. can uh, just put so much propaganda and then we end up believing that lie. Sure, okay. First things first, Mr. Vavi, let's please agree to try and keep the matter somewhat concise because from time to time I would need to interject. And if I do, kindly allow me to do so because I I, I, I want to get a flow of kind. And for the listeners at home who wish to contribute, please dial us on 891 The WhatsApp line is 0614-104-107. Hashtag SAFM Viewpoint at SAFM Radio at Song is on my paper. Please tweet us and follow this conversation. Mr. Vavi, I don't think, because he didn't say that he was necessarily attacking the specific issues of labor laws, rather, what I get as a thesis of what he was submitting is, the powers of trade unions can be somewhat stifling in business operations on a day-to-day basis. Now, if we can keep it at that normative level, as opposed to going into the granular issues, which he didn't discuss, so we cannot expect him now post-facto, or even me for that matter, neutral as I am, to come and bring things for the sake of debate. But rather, is it an unfair remark to say that trade unions have got too much power? He's not suggesting that they be done away of done away with completely. I didn't hear him to say that, nor did I understand him to say that. But rather, we need to revisit the power they wield in the political space, in the, in, 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 in the economic space, because to that extent that they wield this power, they stifle these very things we need to get off the ground and going. Let's look at the facts again. All right. Only 23 to 24% of all workers in South Africa belong to a trade union meaning 76% of workers are not members of any trade union. Where is this power? Let's go to the second fact. 63 to 65% of all wages are set by the employer without any negotiation with any employer with, uh, without any mm. negotiation without without any negotiation rather sorry for that sure sure with the trade union or with the workers themselves 65% of all wages are imposed unilaterally by the employer no no consultation with anybody now let's look at the third fact only 23% of all wages are set through collective bargaining, meaning that there would have been a process where the employer and the workers, through their representatives or directly themselves, sit down and say, please give us this and not this, and the, and the employer says, I can't afford this, I'll give you this. Only 23%. Let's look at the fourth factor. Only... Nine percent of all wages in the in this country are set through centralized bargaining structures, mm-hmm. i.e., the public service centralized bargaining chamber, mm-hmm. or NUMSA SAFSA in the engineering, or NUMSA Auto Moto uh, covering those sectors. Only nine percent. Now, when you look and let oh, this is a, this is a very important fifth sector. Last point, please. 10% of all wages or 10% of workers either receive 
low wage increases annually and only or never get them anyway. Either infrequently or never. Ten percent of South Africa's workers. Sure. Now tell me what is the meaning of flexibility in the context of those statistics? I'm going to respond to that in terms of just understanding and unpacking some of the figures that you have thrown at us. It's 24 minutes past eight. We're in conversation with Mr. Zwilinzi Mavavi, the Secretary General of the South African Federation of Trade Unions, talking specifically about economic development in South Africa and how its attainment should not be at the expense of workers. We've also played a clip from Peter Grunewald saying that the trade unions have too much power. If you want to contribute, 0891 The letter is the text line. Please stay tuned. We will be back right after this break. Song as SAFM Viewpoint. This is a shout out to all SABC3 fans and cricket fans. SABC3 is excited to let you know that we'll be broadcasting the ICC Cricket World Cup right here on our stage. Tune in for all the Protea fixtures, which will be a delayed broadcast on match days, which means you do not miss out when you're stuck at work. This also means that some of your favorite shows may be interrupted. Please visit our website and social media pages to find all the fixtures and program displacement information. ICC Cricket World Cup, only on SABC3. News from the TV License Office. With our new SMS balance inquiry function, you can now get your TV license balance conveniently on your cell phone. SMS your ID number or TV license number to 44210 and voila. 44210. Standard SMS rates apply, quick and easy. TV licenses make a difference. Watch EFC 80 this Saturday at Carnival City. Coaches Soldier Boy and Lazar fight for the middleweight title. And the two female reality show finalists battle it out live for a shot at EFC Gold. Plus, Conrad Siabi and Luke Michael finally settle their score. EFC 80, live this Saturday at Carnival City. Watch it on SABC 3 from 9.30 p.m. Brought to you by SABC Sports. SAFM, leading the conversation. Call Songhez or now. 0891-104-207. We're in conversation with Mr. Zwilinzi Mavavi, Secretary General of SAFTU, South African Federation of Trade Unions, talking about the strength and validity of trade unions, more especially as posited by the Freedom Front Plus leader, Peter Grunewald, saying trade unions have got too much power and those wings need to be clipped. Mr. Vavi, earlier on you threw in a couple of statistics, and for those who have just joined, I'm just going to throw them out there just for the sake of completeness. 65% of wages are determined by employers. In other words, the balance being determined possibly or a maximum of 35 being determined by the unions. You went on to say 70% of workers in the country are non-unionized, 23% of all wages are determined through the collective bargaining process, only 9% of all wages are through the centralized bargaining structures, and 
10% of workers, which is quite sizable, never ever get wage increases if ever they get wages in the first place. And to the extent that this is a legacy of apartheid and things to do with the old order, I fully accept why we would need trade unions, not least because of the voice that they offer, typically to those who don't have a voice in the employer-employee relations that are inherently skewed in favor of the employer. We accept that. That's the point of departure. As it pertains, though, to what little power, given the statistics you have given us, that rests with trade unions, do you not feel it is abused then? If then there's going to be this consent, which I don't think is a displaced or misplaced consent, given the fact that it's almost tradition in this country. Every single year, at least two to three times a year, we're going to have a union on massive scale deciding to boycott the bargaining council or boycotting the negotiating table. And we see, unfortunately, from time to time, the destruction of property because of a standoff in the employer-employee relations. Unions cannot be absolved of that. It's just that I don't have the statistics sure. to put on the table now. No, 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 it's fine. So Give me the thesis. That uh, actually all of the major uh, bargaining structures in the country have long agreed to have a a a a, a, a negotiations every three years. There's a three-year cycle that have been accepted as a norm in government, in the local government, in the parastatals, in the major uh, private sector uh, bargaining structures. It's it's a three-year cycle, meaning that once you you settle, you you leave with that what we have settled for three years. Yes. And in that period, you cannot uh, raise the issues you settled around again until... Because that's illegal. That's unprocedural. That's not part of the rules. Accepted. And so whenever you see a escalation from we can't find one another, we're embarking on a strike, in most cases, what South Africans do not know is that uh, there would have been settlement on majority of the cases. In fact, overwhelming majority of the of bargaining ends up peacefully no strike signed in dotted lines. Uh, we'll wait for the next uh, three years again. And uh, but sometimes things do not go like that. Sometimes workers, uh, because they've waited for three years and things have gone way wire in the three years. The AT has been increased. Uh, there have been uh, three, four times increases of the so-called sin taxes. The petrol prices have gone mad. And uh, and uh, the food prices, as a result, uh, uh, are going crazy, and and therefore people have seen a deterioration in their in their in their living standards. And therefore, uh, when that three years lapses, there is so much at stake for workers, and um, and work and employers sometimes have enjoyed so much holiday over the period of three years, but. They are now resisting in order to guarantee even greater levels of uh, of shareholder uh, value in their companies. And so when there is so much at stake on both sides, sometimes you end up in, in the streets. And uh, But in South Africa, increasingly, the strike do not take uh, very long. Gone are the days when, in 1986, for example, 
1987, the OK Bazaar workers went on the strike for six months solid. I mean, that can't possibly, be, Mr. Vavid, that can't possibly be the benchmark. I mean, the economic conditions have changed. There might have been merit in doing that for that long, given the fact that it was in the apartheid era and it was a volatile 80s. A situation whereby miners can go on strike or there be no productivity for as much as two months in such a tight economic climate, for most parts, if not for all parts, is simply not sustainable because at the end of the day, the one who suffers the most is the one on strike. Yes, absolutely. The workers when unemployment is at thirty eight percent are weaker because the power of the employer suddenly increases multifold because they can always use the unemployed number to threaten workers that if you don't cooperate with what we are giving you, mm. you will end up uh, next to uh, joining that endless queue of, uh, of 10 million people who are unemployed. So that's natural. When, um, when the circumstances are like, as we have them today, 3.2% decline in the GDP and uh, 200,000 jobs lost in the first quarter of the year, yeah. and the massive declines across the board, then uh, they, they, unfortunately that balance shift against the workers and or in favor of the employers. So I accept that. But we can't then say because uh, of that uh, balance of forces, workers must be asked to willy-nilly accept anything that the employers are throwing at them. Let me tell you why. If the unions really had power that uh, Mr. Funeval was exaggerating in that speech yesterday, then the trade union movement will never ever allow the situation where South Africa today will be the most unequal society in the world, where the CEOs earn between 17.9 million annually, at least the first 100 listed uh, companies, and 23 million, according to the latest uh, Deloitte uh, study. Mm. And then when the average or the median wage of a worker in 2014 was as low as 3,400 rents, surely the unions would have never allowed that. They would have never allowed a situation where 25 years into democracy, 67% of all executive positions in the private sector yeah. are still held by the white minority. Okay, sure. Just hold that thought. Hold that thought, Mr. Vavi. We have a short clip because we were in conversation with a certain Mr. Billy last night talking to us about some of these issues that you are raising. And, um, okay, just... Okay, it seems like the clip is not ready at this point, but nonetheless, one of the factors that keep coming through is the abuse of the structures that otherwise should avail and unlock the economic potential and labor relations in the country. For example, a couple of years ago, and I think you're the biggest casualty of it all in the trade union space, what COSATU did to you, what COSATU did, generally speaking, to NUM and Mr. Jim, these are some of the things that have come to characterize trade unions. We know that SATU for one. I mean, some prominent politicians have been fingered even wives of ambassadors, in jobs for cash. And it might explain to some extent or degree the status of the education system that we now enjoy.
Is this not an indictment on trade unions and this too much power that they wield, even abuse of the power that they have, and you would even suggest little power that they suggest. Hold that thought as we listen to one caller, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end to respond to everything. You accused me the last time I'm not giving you a chance. I don't make the same mistake twice. Please, please, take this call. Hello? Yes, I'm listening to nobody who's on the line. Okay, so I beg your pardon. The caller dropped at the last minute. Do you want to respond to just what I put to you, please? There will always be abuses of the system. When I was in Secretary of uh, of Kosato, not once, not twice, many times, I raised the issue about what does it mean to be a revolutionary trade union movement post-1994 at school, at the home affairs, at the police station, in the correctional services centers, and every other aspect of government, including post office and uh, and so forth. There have been instances that no trade union can be proud of. There have been jobs for sex. There have been abuse of power. There have been threading of the post. There have been killings in some instances of people who would have uh, uh, got promotions in a fair, transparent manner by the crooks who wanted to uh, to occupy those positions at schools and uh, at the district level. There have been all of the negative examples that uh, I think you you are mentioning and that have uh, prompted us to go back to what the Mao Zedong once said in in the context of the china revolution that a trade union movement must always work in the interest of a broader progressive uh, forces in in, in and, and the productive sources uh, forces of society must never ever work against the broader interest of society, must never ever position sure. itself Let me ask a against question. the broader interest of society yeah. and then came to be a revolutionary pro-working class force. That's a contradiction. Let me ask a question and, about contradictions, Mr. Vavi. The Social Rights Workers Party of Mr. Jim contested the elections. They've got a membership upwards of 300,000, if not more. Their returns at the elections were less than 30,000. The very people who supposedly are represented by that political space find no expression, at least not politically, such that they could champion precisely what it is that they are their agents for. Is that not an indictment, broadly speaking, or even specifically as it pertains to Mr. Jim? Is that not, is that not an, an indictment on how detached, if detached is the word, but incongruent otherwise the relationship between member and trade union leaders is in this country? We, we're going to have to make an assessment as to what that uh, that means uh, mm-hmm. post post these elections. We have not had an opportunity, so I don't want to go far advance uh, in, and claim to be the leader of the organization. But we know what it is not. At least we know that it is let's not an endorsement. Let, 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 me, let me just explain in this context. Okay, in that context as well. Before I, you explain, I, please I, give me a chance. I, I the fact that Numsa's internal processes that produced a resolution that 
Namsa Mas Mas champion a creation of a left working class party was absolutely a thorough going process that was democratic more than any other organization can claim to be. And that was in 2013. What we need to know is what would have happened politically, because politics and the balance of forces are not static. Things change. What happened between the time when a Congress so overwhelmingly following such a democratic process decided that we must form a working party, and now where, after five years down the line, it seems that workers are not supporting that very same revolution. There is a need to make that assessment. I agree with you. Mr. Vavi, unfortunately, we have run out of time. Just a quick one, and a quick one literally means that, please, 10 seconds. I wonder what the white unions have to say about the statement by DA and Freedom Front Plus. The real enemy of economic growth is the pathetic human capacity index, which ranks us at the bottom. And I think, well, you can respond if you want to, but I don't think you're the correct person to respond to that. You're neither DA or a Freedom Front. But the human capacity index, in terms of South African skills, we do have a skills shortage, and we're not doing much to be addressing that, are we? Very quickly, please, sir. The real enemy of uh, of growth in South Africa is that we inherited a growth path that we have not changed in 25 years, which was based on a colonial setup of extraction of minerals and exporting them overseas only for them to return back as finished products, finished products, meaning that they were building a value outside the country, they were being beneficiated outside the country. As long as we're still trapped in that structure, we will not break the backbone of unemployment in the country. Okay, Secondly, I've got you. Okay. As long as we are not transforming our education and health care, we are not going anywhere. Let's take a very brief call from Kali in Deben. Please, Kali, you're going to make it snappy, please. Hello to you, Sanjo, and uh, to Mr. Vavid. My input, uh, sir, is... Uh, uh, it, it, it's taking too long to get rid of the labor brokers. And um, we take it from there. I, I think that is holding the, the country back, the labor broking. All Have right. a good evening. Thank you so much. Kali, short and sweet. Mr. Vavi, last comment to you. I have one of my most loyal listeners. His name is Mr. Bengu. I don't know what his first name is. He's asking that you please unblock him on Twitter. For three years now, he doesn't know what he has done. Do you wish to just do what Mbawizi did at the beginning of his term and simply unblock everyone so that this debate can carry on outside this particular platform? His his handle is Phoenix or something like that. Do you want to respond to that very quickly? Of course, this is all said in jest, and I think you want to receive it as such. Do you want to unblock the uh, people? Well, I only block people who leave a debate and go for a personalized insult. And uh, only those I don't tolerate. But if you call me a fool, if you uh, say that I'm stupid, uh, naive, and uh, communist tag, I don't block you. Mr. Vavi, you are anything. If you personalize attack, then I will block you. You are anything but those things. Thank you so much for your contributions this evening. We appreciate your time. And of course, this is not the last you and I are going to be having these conversations. Yes? Thank you, sir. Have a great evening. Mr. Zwedin Zimavavi, Secretary General of the South African Federation of Trade Unions. Quick break before we get through to Mr. Mielani Oleni talking to us about the MFMA audits. Not good reading. 25 billion plus. Wasteful, irregular, and fruitless expenditure. It's a problem.